Hello everyone and welcome to our PrepCast. This podcast is dedicated to MBA and master's orientation and preparation. My name is Martina and in today's episode we are going to talk about the GMAT and MBA, where the research ends and the action pops in. I'm here today with a special guest, Mike Diamond. He's the co-founder of Apex GMAT. Mike, it is a pleasure having you here. I have introduced you very shortly, but maybe you can tell us a bit more about your experience and how did you end up working in the field of higher education? Sure. Thanks so much, Martina. It's uh, so nice to be here and I want to thank you for having me. Uh, I've been doing test prep since a very young age in a non-professional manner. I was always the guy who people came to uh, for help or for their sisters, brothers, cousins uh, for help with standardized exams, but it didn't become a career until about 15 years ago. And I entered into it quite by accident. I had been working in uh, finance and then uh, consulting in the political world. And uh, at my heart, I've always been a teacher and in through a friend who uh, was in this field, they had suggested that maybe I look more deeply into it. And four days later, I was sitting taking a GMAT and uh, the following week I had my first client. And shortly thereafter uh, with some other like-minded individuals, uh, we founded Apex. And Apex is dedicated to learning not just performing well on the exam and true elite performance on this exam, uh, that is the GMAT, uh, requires a change in you, a change in your development about how you think about problems, how you process information. And so uh, fast forward 15 years, my role here is as head of curriculum development. I am responsible for all the curriculum that we put out, our online platform, and uh, of course, training all of our instructors. Great, thank you so much for uh, explaining to our listeners. And let's start with the first uh, very basic question. What is the GMAT exam? What exactly it is? So, The GMAT exam is the entrance exam for MBA programs and similar professionally oriented programs like the Masters of Finance, Masters of Accounting. It consists of several sections. Uh, The two considered widely the most important are the quantitative math and the verbal section. On its surface, it's about these subjects, but at a deeper level, It's about how we make decisions and our creative problem solving skills. So the GMAT uses uh, basic high school math and uh, sort of a high school level of English reading comprehension as the baseline because it assumes that everyone has had exposure to that information. But what it's testing is your creative application of that knowledge, not the knowledge itself. And that's a very important distinction for people who are beginning to prepare. Uh, To briefly break down the exam itself, uh, there are four total sections, 
The two that make up the score out of 800 are the quantitative, which is 62 minutes, uh, 31 problems, and the verbal, which is uh, 65 minutes, 36 problems. There's also an integrated reasoning section, which is scored separately out of eight points, and it's 12 multi-part problems. And then a half hour analysis of an argument writing section where you're given a brief stimulus and asked to discuss it. Okay, uh, that sounds really difficult actually, and it sounds like everyone needs to dedicate their time uh, actually to uh, to GMAT exam in order to get the perfect score. So no, according- I, I, I might not agree with that characterization, Martina. Uh, it's challenging, mm -hmm. but I think people build up this exam in their heads to be more than it is. It is challenging. It, many people do not reach those top, top, top scores, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be viewed as insurmountable. This is an exam that most people can do reasonably to very well on with the right practice and with the right guidance. Most of the difficulty that's experienced on this exam by people, by our clients, and certainly you see it on the online message boards, is due to a misunderstanding about what the exam's testing or how to best prepare for it. And it's very much not an academic exam. Many people who, for, for no wrong reason, only have exposure to academic exams tend to think that the tools that they use to prepare for those will be appropriate for the GMAT. And that's simply not the case. So with the right guidance, with the right viewpoint, it is not a not an exam to be afraid of. I understand. Okay. Um, according to you, uh, is a good GMAT score enough for MBA? And actually, how important is the GMAT result for your consideration? So... I like to say that the GMAT is necessary, but not sufficient for admissions to uh, an MBA program. The top MBA programs in the world, places like Harvard and Stanford, Oxford Said and London Business School, they require a GMAT result somewhere in really the 700s, the top say 10% of GMAT results. Uh, but that does not mean that with a 700 plus score or even uh, a really upper 700 score, one will simply walk in the door. The admissions decision needs to ensure that you're capable of handling the rigors of the program, but also that you're going to bring something to your MBA program and that you'll be able to thrive there. And so as important as the GMAT is also your experience your thought leadership, your resume, your interpersonal skills and EQ, all of these come together to make a great applicant. And once more to emphasize, the GMAT is absolutely necessary, uh, especially if you're not coming from a strong academic program or with a strong academic uh, GPA, uh, grade point average. Uh, but it is not the be-all, end-all, and you should also focus on being a person who's going to be able to contribute 
and to benefit from the MBA program that you choose. Absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. And according to you, uh, what is the most important skill that student must develop very good in order to get their dream GMAT score? Or it is not just skill, uh, it is skills maybe, it's not just one thing. I'd like to zoom out from that question a little bit. Uh, because as much as we're talking about the GMAT today, the GMAT rewards certain skills that are largely applicable in the world, in the professional world, in the business world. Those skills are thought leadership, critical thinking, and seeing around corners, seeing things that others don't. The Goal should be those skills, not the great score on the GMAT. The great score on the GMAT will come uh, as you hone your ability to think about problems in new ways. So uh, another thing I, I like to say is that all learning is self-learning. And those who self-learn well, that is those who are able to be in a place where they're not entirely sure what's going on, where the lights are out and feel around the room and figure out where they are. Uh, those people tend to thrive on uh, the GMAT exam, but also in life. So uh, the core skills to hone are asking yourself the right questions, understanding what you don't know, having the patience and grit to uh, not be intellectually lazy and rely on a formula or rely on someone else's insight, but really to drive, derive and drive your own insights in any situation. The GMAT is an adaptive exam, meaning as you are more successful, the problems become more challenging, meaning that you will always find yourself while taking this exam at a point where you're not sure what to do. And this is really where the exam begins. You cannot prepare for every possible question. That's not the point of preparation. The point of preparation is to be able to handle any question that comes your way when you aren't entirely sure from the outset how to solve it. I understand, okay. And let's mention here GRE test. Mm -hmm. And could you separate some two to three main differences between GMAT and GRE? So to make the picture more clear to our listeners. Sure. The GMAT and GRE, uh, well, let me say this. The GRE is becoming increasingly common in MBA admissions. At their deepest level, they're both what are called psychometric exams. They both reward similar skills. They do so in different ways. I think the largest difference for a test taker thinking about, or an applicant thinking about which exam to take would be that the GRE has a strong vocabulary component, uh, English vocabulary, and it's not testing the, that you know the words, but you need a much deeper knowledge of esoteric words in order to thrive there, meaning that 
it will tend to benefit those who are fluent or native uh, mother tongue English speakers, uh, whereas the GMAT's a little bit more forgiving there. There is the impression, which I happen to not agree with, that GRE quantitative is easier, but keep in mind that you're applying to places that are sophisticated. A business school admissions committees know what a GRE score equivalent to a GMAT score is, what that equivalency is. So there's no real way to game the system. And I think a lot of the questions about GMAT versus GRE uh, are really about that. My advice to applicants is to take a look at both exams and go with your comfort level. Thank you for this detailed answer. And let's go back to GMAT and to mention that nowadays when everything is running online, can students take the GMAT test online? And if yes, could you please describe how this is, uh, how this can happen actually, how they will receive their official score and some, anything like this? Sure, I'd be happy to speak with that in general. Uh, for the specific logistics, you really should go to mba.com. They are the authority, they're the ones that uh, give the exam. Uh, but as of the start of the COVID pandemic, uh, a few months afterwards, uh, the GMAC rolled out an online version of the GMAT that can be taken from the comfort of your home. It's uh, similar, if not identical, to the one taken in the testing center. And it was made a permanent feature uh, that is permanently on offer as of last year. So now that we're here in 2022, uh, the online GMAT seems here to stay. Uh, the exam is scheduled and it's much more flexible in its scheduling. And you also don't need to travel elsewhere. So that's a benefit. Um, and uh, you meet with a proctor, they make sure you don't have anyone else in the room and you know, things like that. Uh, and then uh, you have the exam and someone's just watching you online. And when it's done, uh, your unofficial score comes through and shortly thereafter you get your official score report. Great, that, that sounds great when really these days, um, Everything is running online and because of the coronavirus, people are not allowing to travel this much. So this sounds really, really great um, as an opportunity to everyone that wants to uh, take the GMAT. Um, according to you, um, do employers like a good GMAT score? And do you think that this could lead to more job offers, for example? In extreme cases, uh, I think a GMAT score is something to point to on a resume. Uh, the GMAT, a strong GMAT score indicates usually that a candidate has a particular set of skills, though not exclusively so. So two different people getting a 700 score on the GMAT may have vastly different skills. It's possible to have very little self-awareness and yet score well on the GMAT just through rote drilling. It's equally possible to have very good executive problem-solving skills, uh, you know, the cognitive executive function and score 700 as well. 
So I think the differentiation uh, or when a GMAT score becomes appropriate to speak about is somewhere in the low to mid 700s uh, in those top few percentiles. And with the right hiring manager, the right employer, they may find that valuable to speak about. But bear in mind that a great GMAT score is not everything. Uh, all of our instructors here at Apex GMAT, everyone scored at least a 770, but that's not what we hire on. Uh, and as much as we're a GMAT firm, we look for instructors with deep interpersonal skills, great instincts when it comes to teaching and the ability to be empathetic, to have cognitive empathy to the way others think about problems. So uh, if an employer is looking at a GMAT score, they're also looking at those other skills that will not be immediately indicated in the GMAT score. So uh, to summarize, if it's really a great score, it may be worth featuring on a resume. But once again, just like in MBA admissions, it's a feather in your cap. It's not what you should be basing your employment candidacy around. Great, thank you for this uh, for this answer. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, what would you advise those of uh, students uh, that have decided to start their preparation in the last minute? And actually, when is the proper time to start preparation, according to you and your experience, of course? So. If you're out there listening and you've, you're thinking about or you decide to pursue last minute preparation, I want to advise you to stop right now because you're listening to a podcast instead of actually studying. Uh, but even more so, uh, growth and development, learning growth, learning development take time. It's just like going to the gym or learning to play an instrument. Last minute preparation will only maximize your output on your current abilities. Uh, think about training for a, a foot race with a week to go. You're not really changing your physical fitness. You might just get to a place where you're running as fast as your current body can take you. Uh, GMAT preparation takes most people about three months. It shouldn't take much more than that unless your fundamentals are really, really weak. Uh, and I would advise anyone who's last minute prepping to think about whether or not they might be better suited towards or better served by uh, looking to the next admission cycle, giving them the space, themselves the space and the opportunity to grow, to really obtain an excellent GMAT score, and also uh, the time to prepare your application, which is a separate and very time-consuming endeavor that goes hand in hand, as I've mentioned earlier, with a great GMAT score. Great, uh, I'm absolutely agree with you. And you, you have helped a lot of students to um, pursue their uh, goals, to reach what they wanted. So what is Apex GMAT approach in helping students? Um, actually, could you um, explain this to us? 
everything we do here is customized to the individual client. And so our approach is as varied as our clientele. There's no cookie cutter way to push to uh, a top score. We work exclusively in the one-on-one -on -one space, uh, guiding uh, mid-career professionals into their MBAs and similar business-oriented degrees. We also work with executives in cognitive coaching. So a lot of what the best approach is depends upon where your deficits are and where your strengths are. Many times we end up working not exclusively in the intellectual space, but also in the behavioral and the psychological emotional space where a GMAT being a test of decisions, where uh, people many times haven't, haven't developed their decision-making skills and those emotional drivers, those behavioral drivers that influence them. And so there's a disconnect between their intellectual capability and their ability to actualize it in a real-time situation. Uh, the most classic and most common form of this is test anxiety, where the anxiety actually distracts focus and people who are performing well outside of the exam end up performing more poorly, uh, rather more poorly when they're on the official exam. So we do a variety of coaching at the intellectual level to help people build up fundamentals, to help them build up mindfulness of how their mind is working, to help them promote their own insights and creative problem solving, but also their uh, ability to stay calm under pressure, to make good decisions, to make timely decisions, and to be more confident, to have cultivated confidence in what they know and how they know it in order to be a thought leader. So this contributes significantly to elite level scores on the GMAT, but also to a toolkit that will pay dividends at an MBA program or an EMBA program and in one's career uh, beyond the MBA degree. Great. That's, that sounds great. You're really doing your best to help everyone that wants to pursue their dream. Um, According to you, what is the key to succeeding, actually? Is it a practice or consistency? Is it the strong will that um, everyone uh, has? Or it is something like a mix between all of this? I think your highlighting of consistency is rather important. Uh, the clients that tend to perform best tend to be driven to succeed and tend to be willing to put in the work. Uh, there are different paths to a 720 plus score, depending upon where you're starting from, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, but they all require consistent practice in developing new skills that are at first unwieldy as opposed to reinforcing or reviewing things that one already knows. And I think that's one of the, another one of the, the big mistakes that a lot of people preparing uh, make, especially if they're using 
one of these online platforms that claims to be able to get you X number of points in X days without someone else observing you and pointing out the behaviors that you don't see yourself uh, making, growth tends to be limited. And this is where personalized tutoring or even working and preparing with a friend can really uh, be quite helpful. The, the approach of doing a lot of problems or going over your notes and reviewing things that you already know or think you know isn't actually growth, it's busy work. And real growth tends to require consistency, as I mentioned, but it also tends to be hard. And that grit that one brings to, to preparing is what's going to permit you to grow your skills, which contribute to a great GMAT score. Great, absolutely agree with you. And actually, but there are a lot of uh, applicants who get rejected. So um, as a final words of advice, what, what would you say to them to encourage them? So if you've been rejected by your top choice, and accepted by another MBA program that you're excited about, don't hesitate to embrace that acceptance. I'd like to say that first because everyone kind of wants to go to Harvard and with, with good reason, but um, it's much more important to find those programs that are going to be a fit for you in terms of culture, in terms of the type of education and the things you're looking to learn, the specialties, and also where you want to live, where you want to be. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken with clients who say, well, you know, I live in New York, but I really want to go to Stanford, but my partner is here in New York and I don't know what to do. And I tell them to look at Columbia and Stern and other programs up and down the East Coast like Wharton and Sloan and Harvard because it's not worth blowing up your life just because that program's out there. There are great programs everywhere. And that means outside of the M7 and the top 25, find the program that's right for you. And many times that one isn't quite as competitive as the most competitive. The most competitive programs are great, but part of their competitiveness comes from their brand and that magnet of attraction uh, that that it brings in additional applicants. With that said, if you're not accepted to any program or not none of the programs that you'd like to attend, take some time to reflect on your application, seek out the advice of friends, family, uh, colleagues, and especially professionals. Uh, we We certainly have many conversations with GMAT test takers about their, their applications as well. And, um, and do a post-mortem to understand where your application can be improved and create a plan. Uh, I like to think of it as four three-month chunks, uh, a plan of action to address those weaknesses and come back for a reapplication in order to, order to uh, really drive your success. Additionally, uh, some admissions 
committee members may be willing to speak with you about your application and provide uh, very pointed advice about what could be done differently. Once again, this isn't something to get upset about. It's something to be excited about because it's an opportunity to grow and to develop as an individual. And ultimately, isn't that why you're going to get an MBA? Great. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for answering um, these questions. Um, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And I want to remind everyone to visit Apex GMAT in order to receive the best advices and to feel more confident in their journey. I want to uh, wish good luck to all of you in your academic journey. Um, also want to remind you to visit unimai.com and unimyprep.com to find the best materials that will help you in your MBA path. Mike, thank you once again. On behalf of our team, I want to wish a nice day to everyone and stay tuned for more. My pleasure, Martina. Thanks again for having me. Uh, you can find all the information you need on our blog and within our website at apexgmat.com. We provide complimentary free consultations to people who are taking the exam or even just thinking about the MBA process. And you can sign up for a half hour consultation on our website. If you're listening from North America or Europe, you can also reach out to us directly at, for the US area code 917. 819-5945 and in uh, the United Kingdom and uh, Europe plus four four seven nine four three six one two four zero six. You can also uh, reach me at mike at apexgmat.com. Great. Thank you everyone for listening today and stay tuned for more. Bye for now.